right, everybody. Welcome to the Boys Live show. I'm sorry. A little tired, I guess. Um, I hope you had a great Labor Day. The kids are back in school at the uh, <laughs> at the announcement of this show, at the uh, recording of this show. It is. Uh, it's been great. It's been a beautiful uh, weekend. I think it's been great. More shootings in the city of Chicago. And guess what? If you haven't heard already, the mayor of Chicago says he will not run another term. This will be his last term as mayor of Chicago, and we're talking about Rahm Emanuel. And it should be, because the guy just can't seem to get a handle on the crime situation in this beautiful city of Chicago. He just can't get a handle on it. He should go. He's been a failure when it comes to crime in the city of Chicago. Uh, He should resign because he wasn't going to get my vote in the first place. I was not going to vote for this guy. Uh, But I was surprised to hear him uh, say he's not going to run for re-election. I was surprised because, uh, you know, the the months leading up to uh, up to this, he were he was all over the place saying he's going to run for re-election. He's going to run for re-election. I guess the heat was just too hot and he just figured he better get get out of the kitchen. Because, uh, you know, I mean, we do need changes. We do need someone with a uh, uh, new skills, knowledge, and and with fresh ideas that can bring down the crime rate in the city of Chicago. Not uh, Mary Manuel, not his superintendent. And that's another thing. If Rahm goes, the superintendent goes, the superintendent of police, he goes too. Because a lot of this falls on him also. And this guy's been in, he's been superintendent for, I, I think, for the last four years, and he has done nothing whatsoever to bring down crime. We've, they've, well, they've, you know, bust a few dr- drug joints or confiscated some guns off the street, but still in all, you know, the crime rate is just ridiculous in the city of Chicago, and it's good. Uh, the, city, the, the, the citizens of the city of Chicago be, should be, Dancing in the streets because this guy has decided that he's not going to run. I think he saw the tea leaves early on that he wasn't going to uh, be able to stab off 12 opponents. There were 12 people running against him in the upcoming election. I I believe the election is going to take place, I'm thinking February, if not January, uh, 2019. So uh, that's good news for the city of Chicago. That's good news of the people, the citizens of Chicago, that this man is not going to run. Maybe, hopefully, we'll get someone in there with some balls who can bring in the National Guard or somebody to stave off some of this weekend carnage in the city of Chicago. Uh, It's a bloodbath. The guy just can't do it. He's a failure. He's a failure. His superintendent is a failure. If I know Rom, he loves the city of Chicago. This man loves Chicago. He loves he loves it when he tries to beautify it. To, to beaut- they call it beautification or something like that. Uh, making it look good. <laughs> but making it look good is a, quite a contrast between what's going on on the south and west sides of the city when it's 80 to 95 degrees. So that's good news for Chicagoans. That this man would 
decided not to run for re-election, and he can take his superintendent, Eddie Johnson, with him. We get some new blood, some young blood, some some different kind of thinking that, that maybe we can get some of this crime down in the city of Chicago. And remember, I mean, you got uh, Los Angeles, you've got New York. Both of these are large cities, and they com- and they combined do not have uh, the crime uh, that we have here in Chicago. That's 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 a shame. What are they doing that we're not doing? Have uh, mayor and the superintendent tried to? figure out what these other big cities are doing so that Chicago can do it and get their crime rate down? I don't think so. I think these guys, you know, uh, their pride is just so overwhelming. They can't do it. Uh, the National Guard, uh, I've suggested it. I think other people have. Uh, they don't want the National Guard because it's their pride. Fuck your pride, man. People are dying. You do what you do anything and what you can, you do anything, excuse me, you do anything and what you can to bring down crime in the city of Chicago or anywhere. If you have to bring in the National Guard to get it down, bring in the National Guard. If you have to hire more cops, hire more cops. But in, but in the case of uh, Chicago, and I've said this before, hiring more cops without a plan, without a strategy, is only going to get those cops killed. You have to go in there. I mean, you don't have to have that many cops uh, in the city of Chicago if you had a plan and a strategy. If you had a plan, a strategy, hey, wow, you can do this with the police officers that you already have. But if you start hiring a thousand cops every month and you don't have a plan, you don't have a strategy, a lot of these young cops go over into these high crime communities not knowing what to expect, they could get killed. I mean, if you're going to put someone in these high crime communities, make sure you put veteran police officers, police officers who, who know what that community is about, who are uh, uh, in with the residents of that community, you know, because you have to be I think you have to get in. You have to be a part of the residency in some of these communities, because if this uh, the people of those communities and those neighborhoods don't trust you, <laughs> you might as well. Uh, uh, get out of there because you're going to get nothing. You have to get those people there to trust you. You have to get them there, get them to like you. And if they trust you and they like you, they're going to come to you with whatever they know about what's going on in their community in terms of shootings and who's doing it. So, uh, yeah, Mira Rami Manuel, he's. Uh, Packing his bags. I mean, he's uh, picking up his last city paycheck and running between, running with his legs between his legs, whatever, whatever how they say that saying, uh, tail between his legs, whatever. He's out. He is out. And uh, that's good. That's good for Chicago. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure, as I've stated before earlier, that he's heard the tea leaves. Uh, people were complaining, aldermen, uh, you know, the, the people of Chicago, South Side, West Side, where these shootings and gang shootings are going on. Uh, he heard that. And 
And the reason why he's resigning because he doesn't have a clue on how to solve crimes in the city of Chicago. He doesn't. His superintendent doesn't. Doesn't. Even though they get on TV every time there's 64, 65 people shot and say crime is down. Now, who in the hell is going to believe that? And I've said that for about two or three years now. Who in the hell is going to believe crime is down? Because you say it's down when 60 to 100 people have been shot over the weekend. How in the hell is crime down? How is it down? Rahm Emanuel and his superintendent, they are going to go down in Chicago history as failures. Getting out because they don't know what the hell to do about solving crime in the city of Chicago, keeping their citizens alive, keeping the citizens safe, being able to uh, uh, have some sort of uh, camaraderie with the uh, people of those communities. Right now, Chicago, especially the south and west sides and these high crime areas, they have no trust for um, they have no trust for the Chicago police. And when, when the, when the uh, citizens, when the neighbors, uh, the people of those communities, the residents, when they don't have any credibility in the police, the police is going to have a hard time doing their jobs. Doing their jobs. I think if the mayor would have put the National Guard over here on holidays, uh, on some of these hot, muggy nights, the crime wouldn't be as high as it is. But the guy, as I've said, uh, the mayor and Governor Rauner, they have their pride. They don't want to put the National Guard over there in these high crime neighborhoods because they feel that they can solve the, the situation without the guard. No, 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 no. And next to go will be Bruce Rauner. He, because I'm hearing that he's trailing in the polls behind J.B. Prisker in the race for governor in the state of Illinois. I'm hearing, and he should go. He is a slime ball. He is another failure. I mean, he was written up in the National Review, in the National Review, which, a, which is a national publication, like a newspaper, magazine, uh, very popular, popular. And uh, they called him the worst governor ever. And we all concurred. We all concurred. Everybody concurred but him. Well, uh, no, that's just something that happens. It happens. Yeah, I mean, it, no, it does not, Rauner. It's not something that happened. You don't want to be called the worst governor in the state of Illinois. You, he's been called the worst governor in the state of Illinois by two of Chicago's major newspapers, the Chicago Sun-Times and the Chicago Tribune. They've also said he was awful. And the citizens know that he's awful, uh, Rauner. For two and a half years, and I thought it was going to go three, for two and a half years, we did not have a budget in the city of Chicago for two, in the state of Illinois. We didn't have a budget for two and a half years while this guy went around making excuses to not sign a budget into law. 
coming up with reasons, his own crazy, whacked-out reasons to not sign a budget into law, to get uh, Illinois back on his foot and to get Illinois to uh, operating like any other uh, state when there's a budget. Uh, but he didn't uh, sign it. And we were, I, I remember it vividly, we were going through city of Chicago. We were, everybody was complaining and saying, what the hell is going on? People were getting laid off. Social programs that were needed by the poor and the elderly and the disabled were shutting down. The mentally, uh, mentally uh, ill clinics were shutting down and everything because he refused to sign up. But people weren't getting paid. Some people weren't getting their paychecks. Uh, state workers were, were always in a limbo because they didn't know if they were going to get paid or not. Uh, so it was really, really awful. Really, really awful. So this guy, and, and if he thinks that we have forgotten, he's crazy as a loon. If he thinks that we've forgotten about that two and a half years without a state budget in the state of Illinois, he's got to be crazy. And he must be crazy if he thinks that we've forgotten and that he thinks he's going to get his ass right back in office. He's got to be, he's, he's a nut. He's a Donald Trump troll, Bruce Rauner, uh, the worst governor ever, and it's been stated a few times. It's been stated a few times. The guy hasn't done anything legislatively, anything. Uh, he, uh, there's two things that he, excuse me, there's two things that he has done. He's, he's vetoed uh, higher pay for teachers. And there was something else he did. What, what else did he do? Okay, uh, we'll find that out later. But there's two major things that he did in Chicago that pissed people off. Uh, as I just got through saying, he uh, vetoed, uh, I think, uh, teachers pay from $36,000 a year to $40,000 $40, a year. He vetoed that. And he, <laughs> as he vetoed this stuff, he runs in front of the camera and gives his own personal private reasons for wanting to do it and try to make it sound like he's doing it for the for Illinois for the betterment of Illinois and we know that's a lie he's doing it because he just don't want it and he don't like it <laughs> all right so uh it looks like we've gotten rid of Rom so the mayor's race is not going to take place until early 2019 so a lot of people are going to be jumping in uh, uh in the race uh, by then, but I'm pretty sure Rom is uh, is not running again because he he doesn't want to get the hits that he's going to get from a lot of these opponents who are who were challenging him. They were going to hit Rahm Emanuel hard, and they were going to hit him not in the pocket, but hit him for uh, the rising crime in the city of Chicago that he can't seem to uh, stop. He can't seem to, his superintendent can't seem to uh, bring, I'm not saying eliminate crime altogether in the city of Chicago. I don't think that's going to happen anywhere, but at least you can try to get it down because that's what you're getting paid for. You're getting paid for this. The superintendent getting paid for, he puts his cops out on the streets. He's getting paid. They're getting paid to protect the citizens and the people, the children 
of the community, and they can't seem to do that. So that's good news. Some Americans should be out here dancing. Some Chicagoans, actually, should be out here dancing in the street because this guy is not going to run again. He wasn't going to get my vote again, whether he ran or not. He wasn't getting my vote. Uh, Now i got to figure out uh, which one of these guys and girls who are running uh, to take his job, which one of these guys and girls I want to support and that I want to give my vote to. And a lot of people are thinking like the way I'm thinking, especially if you're in the city of Chicago. You don't want to just run out and give your vote to anybody because they say they're a Democrat. Don't do that because you got some assholes. You got some asshole Democrats just like you got an asshole Republicans. So uh, if you're going to be voting for somebody, especially in the city of Chicago, make sure you know who you are voting for. Make sure you vet the people you're voting for. Research them. Look them up. Make sure they haven't Chop somebody's head, head off with an axe. Make sure they're not an axe murderer. Make sure they're not, you know, wanted by the FBI or something. <laughs> make sure you know who you're voting for. And make sure that these people will represent your interest once they are in office. Because a lot of people, you, uh, uh, once they get into office, they don't know you anymore. And you voted for them. You give them their. You gave them their job. However, but they they act as if they don't know you anymore. You have to weed out these kinds of people. Now, all all twelve of these people that are running for Mayor Manuel's job, they're not all straight arrows. Believe me, they're not all good people. They've done some really. Some of them, maybe not all of them, but some of them probably done some really awful things. In their lives, and they want your vote. I mean, right, you don't want to vote for somebody who's a sexual assaulter, right? You don't want to vote for somebody who probably have stabbed their kids in the back. You don't want to vote for somebody who hasn't been keeping up with their child support payments. You don't want to vote for somebody who has uh, committed domestic violence on their partner. You don't want to uh, uh, vote for someone who's just nasty and mean, you have to figure out who the hell you're voting for. You just can't. Uh, too many people, I think, vote for candidates with pretty faces. And that's wrong. That is wrong. And a lot of candidates who are running for office, they know this. They know they'll vote. You will vote for somebody who's nice looking and handsome and But these are the people you should be vetting. And I'll say this again. Do not vote for people just because they look good. Do not vote for people because they have a nice-sounding name. Do not vote for people because they have a nice smile. And they're shaking your hands and wishing you luck and all of this kind of thing. Find out what they're about. People lie. People lie their asses off to get what they want. I mean, in the era of Donald Trump, as much as this guy has lied, I'm hearing that he's told over 4,000 lies, and I believe it. Donald Trump sets the tone for America. And if Donald Trump is lying every single time he opens his mouth, so are other people because they're supporting him. 
or they're figuring that Donald Trump gets away with lies. So they figured that if he can get away with lies, then they feel that they can get away with lies. Lying to anybody about anything is wrong. Lying, especially if you're a public fig, uh, public, uh, fig, public figure. Yeah, public figure. Uh, uh, if you go back in history, uh, people have been thinking and knowing, and they've been right on the money, that politicians have been lying for decades, even centuries, to get in office, to get a job. Because being a representative is a job. It's just like a job. It's like your day job. But a lot of these folks only work part-time. But they get a huge paycheck. Uh, yeah, politicians lie. I mean, this has been going on for decades. And if you don't know what a decade is, a decade is 10 years. Politicians have been lying for the longest, but now it's just out of control. (laughs) It's out of control lying. So you have to vet these people. It's going to be a lot of these people running for office, and they're going to be lying like dogs to your face. They're going to be lying like hell to try to get you to vote for them because they want want to get in office – you know, a lot of politicians, when they're in office, when you just vote them in, they're, they don't have any money. They don't, a lot of them are in debt when they, are, when they become a, a, a representative or a senator in Congress. Uh, even in these statewide races, a lot of these politicians are in debt. They need money. So they're going to get out there and say whatever it takes to get a job, to get you to vote for them. And once they're in office, they don't know who you are. They're getting $174,000 a year. Uh, They're being bought and paid for by the NRA. They're being bought and paid for by uh, rich donors. Suddenly, these people become rich. And a lot of these politicians are in it for the money. They know that you can become rich as a politician, a state politician, a federal politician, you know. Uh, They know that you can become rich, and they go for it. So basically what I'm trying to say, if I'm saying it correctly, because my my throat is kind of (laughs) sore. I'm not making excuses. Uh, What I'm trying to say, vet these people. Do not just go out and Vote for anybody. I'm going to vote. Do you know who you're voting for? I'm going to vote for a Democrat. As long as it's a Democrat, I'm going to vote for it. You can't do that. You have to know who you're voting for. I mean, a name. You have to know who you're voting for. You have to know why. You just can't go out there willy-nilly and vote for a Democrat. You might be voting for a Republican disguised as a Democrat. That happens, folks. That really, really happens. So you really have to do your homework with these guys and girls who are asking you for your vote. I mean, I see these commercials coming on television all the time where, you know, these politicians are just throwing dirt on each other. Bullshit. They're just throwing dirt on each other. 
you know, and um, it's awful the way they're throwing dope, dirt. And these are the kind of politicians you really don't want in office, the ones that are throwing dirt on each other. Because if they're throwing dirt on each other, then, you know, that's, some, so that's, probably, that's probably someone you, you don't want to vote for. Like you've got this, this case in Florida where this uh, one opponent calls his African-American opponent basically a monkey. We don't want to monkey this up. Now, you don't have to vet this guy. You know what he is because he just told you, I'm a racist. So you know not to vote for a racist. But if you yourself are racist, then you probably would vote for this guy because you wanna, you're a racist, so you want to put in the racist. But if you're not a racist, you wouldn't vote for him. So he doesn't have to tell you who, wh- what he is. You don't have to vet him because he didn't already told you straight out. He is a racist. He doesn't like black people. He doesn't think black people should be holding office especially in Florida. So you have to vet them. You have to, you, you have to vet them. I mean, but if you have someone that, that's going to come out like this, this, this uh, white politician in um, Florida that uh, uh, going for the governorship in Florida, uh, you know, if you're going to vote for him, then you have to be a racist to vote for him. That's the only way you're going to vote for him. And there is a lot of racists out here, folks. Racism is, I don't know, I, I just think that Trump has, uh, has uh, awakened the underbelly of, of America, Wake, waking the sleeping KKK of America. You know, so, but basically, when you're voting, you know, make sure you know who you're voting for. You just don't get up out of the bed and you say, I'm going to vote. You you have to know who you're voting for, you know. And uh, I appreciate if people will share this show, uh, uh, this show, so other people can listen to it and and uh, hopefully be motivated to to uh, not just vote for any Democrat, but vote for the Democrat that you want, that that you want that will uh, share your same views and values. That's what you want. You know, that's what you want, but it's a lot of racism. And you're going to hear a lot of other politicians coming out saying racist and nasty things about their opponent. You know, a lot of these guys and girls might could win. <laughs> you never know because you got so many racists out here. And that's a shame. That, that, that's really, really a shame. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. It is 6.30 p.m. straight up in the city of Chicago. I hope it's beautiful and wonderful where you are. It's been hot. Hot, muggy, humid, and nasty. But we love it. We, <laughs> we love it. We love it. Chicago is a beautiful place no matter what you hear uh, on the nightly news or on national news or whatever. It's a great place. It's a, it's a beautiful place. We just, need, <laughs> we just need a mayor and a superintendent and some aldermen who – we need some people who know how to bring crime down in the city of Chicago. We don't want to be the – uh, uh, the national um, what they what they call it the national uh, uh, the most crime city in America if I can say it that way 
Uh, we don't want to be that. And I don't, I don't think we are that. We just need some people in the city of Chicago, uh, leaders who are, and we don't need to be marching in the streets to try to bring down crime. What we need is some ideas, fresh ideas, some great ideas to bring down the crime in the city of Chicago because it can be done. Maybe the mayor and he, maybe the mayor and his superintendent thinks that the crime in the city of Chicago cannot be lowered. If they think that, then they should have been out long ago. Because if you have low crime in much larger cities than the city of Chicago, then that means that means that these creeps aren't doing something. I mean, I've talked about this and talked about this uh, two or three years ago on this same show about lowering the crime. I even gave them some ideas on how to lower crime in the city of Chicago. Maybe they weren't listening to me then. <laughs> they should have been because every because since then, crime has gone up, especially on the holidays and especially on really, really hot and warm nights in some of these muggy communities where there's hardly any stores or or um, there's a lot of vacant lots, the buildings been torn down, and a lot of these communities that are, there's nothing being built, and, you know, there's nothing being constructed in some of these communities, and uh, you, you have um, people walking around, hanging around, looking hopeless, feeling hopeless, and then all of a sudden someone drives up down the street in a car and starts shooting. It's a shame when you can't sit on your own front porch. You can't walk to the store. You can't go to the park. You can't can't send your kids outside to play because in some of these communities because, you know, of of, uh, not feeling safe. Not feeling safe. So these guys... Emmanuel and his superintendent, they did the right thing because they are failures and they cannot um, uh, they cannot stop or lower the crime in the city of Chicago. The criminals have won. The criminals have won this one. But we're going to get somebody in office that's going to uh, bring the crime rate down in the city of Chicago. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. These two clowns couldn't do it, but we are going to – it's going to happen. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Once again, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And um, it's, 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 it's still beautiful in the city of Chicago. It is so beautiful, folks. It's, it's still hot, muggy, and nasty, but we love it. We love it. We love it. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, 634 Straight up PM Central Time in the state in the state of Illinois, in the city of Chicago. We'll be right back, folks. Here's a little break.
Recent reports have shown us that the deficit is growing at an alarming rate. And in fact, the tax cuts that Republicans put in place at the end of last year uh, have ballooned the deficit by more than 20%. Just that one piece of legislation, 20% increase in the deficit. Now, Republicans during the Obama years were absolutely up in arms over the fact that the deficit was getting out of control. But during the Bush years, when Dick Cheney said deficits don't matter, they believed it. They were like, yeah, let's just spend all the money and not worry about it. Obama came along, increased spending to help save the economy, which he did, uh, and they were furious. But now they're back in charge. So once again, deficits don't matter. And to an extent, they really don't. Until that ballooning deficit is used to kill programs that actually help keep American citizens alive, which unfortunately is the scenario playing out right now. Realizing that the deficit is growing at a rate that they cannot hope to sustain or even pay down, Republicans have increased their calls to cut social safety net programs that millions of American citizens have been paying into for their entire working lives, and they are therefore entitled to them. That is why they're called entitlement programs. We've already paid in all the money for them. We just want to get our money back. But Republicans don't want to do that. They want to take the money that we've paid in and give it to the wealthy elite, the top 1%, in the form of tax cuts. Right now we have uh, Representative Steve Stivers. He's the most recent one. He is a Republican from Ohio. He went on CNBC this week to say that, you know, because of this deficit situation that is caused by our tax cuts, we need to look at entitlement reform. We need to cut Social Security and Medicare. Uh, Paul Ryan made it very clear. He stated specifically at the end of 2017 that the next thing on his agenda now that he's passed the tax cuts is cutting back Social Security and Medicare. Senator Pat Toomey, Republican from Pennsylvania, said the same thing. Uh, Senator John Thune, a Republican from South Dakota, also says that we've got to cut these entitlement programs because, you know, we just basically blew up the deficit. Representative uh, Republican Tom Cole from Oklahoma says that uh, he doesn't know much about economics, but we probably need to get rid of some of these entitlement programs or cut them down. So we have this idiot here, Tom Cole, who says, I don't even understand the economy, but let's cut these things. This, this is what we're dealing with, with this particular political party right now, folks. They gave everything that we had to the top 1%. Studies, even studies by Republican think tanks, have shown us that average American workers will get $0 from this tax cut. And if we do get anything, it's going to take several years for us to even get that money. And then by the time that happens, the tax cuts for the underclass will have expired, so then we actually won't even be eligible for it anymore, but the tax cuts for the top 1% are actually never set to expire. Just the ones for us, you know, the poor folk, the people who live paycheck to paycheck. And now they want to take the money that we have been paying in for our entire working lives to pay down the deficit that they created by giving tax cuts to the wealthy elite. The Republican Party is pure evil. 100%, and there is no other way to slice it. If you want to take money that poor people have paid into a program 
so that they can maybe one day retire or at least not be homeless when they hit age 65. And you want to take that money that they've been paying into, most of them for 50 years, and give it to billionaires? Then yeah, the only word available to describe you is evil. And that is exactly what we're dealing with with the Republican Party of 2018. All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Folks, we're sorry about the dead air. We will do this, and we'll be right back. Freedom! This is what I call freedom. No one to put you out. Free. Oh, that's freedom. 
Last night, in a closed-door private meeting with American evangelical leaders, Donald Trump took fear-mongering to unconscionable, dangerous, and detestable new heights. Well, you may recall that last week, in an if-it-weren't-so-obnoxious-and-stupid-it-would-be-hilarious moment, Trump claimed in an interview with Ainsley Earhart from, of course, Fox News, that if he were to be impeached, the stock market would crash and everybody would become poor. And never to be outdone, even by himself, he warned these evangelical leaders that there will be blood if Republicans don't win in the November 6th midterms. In recorded audio excerpts reviewed by NBC News, which have not yet been released to the public, Trump stated, quote, the level of hatred, the level of anger is unbelievable. Part of it is because some of the things I've done for you and for me and for my family, but I've done them. This November 6th election is very much a referendum on not only me, it's a referendum on your religion. It's a referendum on free speech and the First Amendment. If the GOP loses, they will overturn everything that we've done, and they'll do it quickly and violently and violently. There's violence. When you look at Antifa and you look at some of these groups, these are violent people, unquote. Now, for a man who is accustomed to dangerous and irresponsible rhetoric as a rule, not the exception, this may just be one of the most deeply disturbing moves yet from Trump. He is using a familiar refrain with these evangelicals, apocalyptic language, to a group of religious people with an apocalyptic mindset. He is perfidiously equating the methods and antics of Antifa with the peaceful and democratically elected lawmakers of the opposition party who may gain power in the upcoming midterms. He's comparing 78-year-old Nancy Pelosi and 67-year-old Chuck Schumer with these people who have admittedly at times unlawfully and irresponsibly used violence to combat the rising fascist mentality in America. Look, no reasonable person buys that Democrats in Congress would use violence in any way, shape, or form to combat Trump's policy directives. In other words, he's priming people for civil war, one that is not coming unless it's of his own design. Listen, I come from this religious tradition, evangelicalism, this is a flavor of Christianity in which many members are steeped in conspiracy and doom and gloom and looking forward to the end of the world, of teachings of the Antichrist and marks of the beast. Decades ago, this segment of the church became more a partition of the Republican Party than the body of Christ. There is talk of contempt of the United States government and often whispers of revolt against the same. And for Donald Trump to stoke the fear that's already baked into their pre-rapture, seven-year tribulation mindsets, well, that's sick, twisted. But moreover, it's dangerous. There is no threat to Christians now, nor will they be when Trump is no longer in office. Christians make up over 70% of the population in America. They were fined the entire time that Obama was in office, and they'll certainly be fine long after Trump is gone. There are hardwired constitutional protections for people and their faith of their choosing. What Trump is doing and saying is rooted 
in playing off the fear of these people and what may just be catalyzed by that very fear. In short, Donald Trump is attempting to appeal to the worst and darkest within people rather than to the better angels of our nature. There is something that Trump said to those evangelicals leaders, though, that, that is true. This November 6th is very much a referendum on Donald Trump. It is critical that each and every one of you get out to the polls and vote, even if your local races are safe ones. We must vote and send not only the right candidates back to Washington, D.C., we must send a message that Trump and his fear-mongering cannot, must not be tolerated. Tolerated. Everybody get out there and vote. Get out there.
following this trash, this garbage, you know, uh, then you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, you can almost say, what the fuck is going on in this ju- Judiciary Committee hearing regarding Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nomination? It's not regular order for the chairman of the committee, uh, I think it's Chuck Grassley, to put his two cents. Yeah, he contradicts every Democratic senator who criticizes this Kavanaugh. He contradicts them. Even if what they're saying is relevant. Uh, uh, should be said or should be spoken. He said he was going to do that. Grassley said he was going to do that. He said he was, whatever the Democrats going to say, I'm going to be against it. He said that even before the hearing started. And no, but they are treating the Democrats like nothing. They're in, in these hearings, treating the Democrats like they're, they're, they're uh, garbage. When, when it's the Republicans who are the garbage here. Because everything, all every, every rule is be, being thrown out of the window at the, in these committees. Every rule, the Republicans are throwing every rule out of the out of the window. All the ethics uh, to a pertinent hearing out of the window, and they're doing it in Donald Trump fashion, bullying, taunting uh, the Democrats, and the Democrats. They have to take it because they have no power. My understanding, in order for uh, uh, Kavanaugh to be appointed to the Supreme Court, uh, the Republicans would need a few Democratic votes. They would, in order to get this guy confirmed. If all the Democratic Democrats stay firm and not vote for this guy, he will not be confirmed to the to the uh, highest court in the land. But if some of them break off, you know, uh, decide to turn coat, you know, and, and, and vote for Kavanaugh, then we're screwed. We are screwed. But this is a kangaroo court, folks, that we're here seeing now. It's a kangaroo, and the Republicans, they don't care. Why don't they care? Because they're in control. They own it. They don't have to, they didn't even have to let the Democrats in there, probably, to even say anything. They own everything. And why do the Republicans own everything? Because people did not vote. The only way a Republican can take office is when people do not vote. And I've hoped, I hoped a lot of people have learned their lessons by not voting. And I hope a lot of people have learned their lessons by voting for the wrong candidates. Candidates. I hope a lot of people have learned their lessons when it comes to vetting these uh, politicians. I mean, every Republican in, in office is rotten to the core. They lie to get their jobs. They lie to their constituency. They lie to America, and America either voted for them or did not vote, and they, you know, got the job anyway. America, America, you have to wake the hell up. Stop voting for these people who aren't going to do the best for you. Stop voting for these people who are going to go out and cut your Social Security check. Stop voting for these people who are going to take away your health care. Stop voting for these people who don't give a damn about you. Stop voting for these people who have nice names and 
good-looking faces, they're out to screw you badly. If you think about it, everything is going up. Rent has gone up. I mean, mortgages, uh, taxes, everything has gone through the roof. If you think about it, every time you go to the store, the prices have risen. Am I am I correct? Uh, your Social Security check is going down, or or you won't get the raises, the annual raises every year on your Social Security check that you used to get because. And they're thinking about it. And there's a million people, uh, maybe over a million people, on Social Security living on Social Security. That's their only income. The Republicans are out to take it. All away. There you get you got uh, disabled people on SSI. The Republicans are out to take it all the way. You got food stamps, feeding kids. Republicans are out to take it all the way, and they will take it all the way if you do not vote and vote strong in the midterms. They are out there to take everything away. They're nasty. They're mean. They're vile. And they don't give a fuck. Vote, 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 vote. Because we have a kangaroo court here, folks. I haven't sit down and watched the hearings or the confirmation hearings. I haven't sit, but I've, uh, you know, I, I, I told myself that I didn't want to do that. And some people said, George, watch them. For what? The Republicans are going to overrule the Democrats every time they have a, a, a question to ask this guy. A legitimate question. They won't. The Republicans will not let him answer a question or give his opinion on something that a Democrat has said. That's wrong. But as I've stated, the Republicans don't give a fuck about being wrong. They are vile. They're uppity. They're crooks. They're criminals. They're thugs. But they're in charge. They're in charge. But we can be in charge in November. We have to be in charge in November. Okay, the uh, reason why I'm talking about Kavanaugh because it came across my computer. And uh, I felt I had to say something about this. And uh, I did. I did. And it's a shame that so many Americans feel helpless. They feel as though they can't do anything. What am I going to do, George? Uh then you <laughs> then you have uh, people who are out here need leadership. George, you're going to lead us. Um, and I've always told people you got to be your own leader. You can't expect people to fight your battles for you. You have to be your own self. Yeah, there are so many people. That, I, I was talking to this the other night with a guest. And uh, she was on the same page as I was. Um we have no leaders. I mean, you, we have no leaders in terms of if, when you talk about leadership like Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or Megar Evers, uh, uh, like the leaders we had in, in back in the day. A lot of people thought Obama was going to come out and, and, and be our leader to lead us against Donald Trump. I tried to tell you Obama is not going to do that. He's a coward. Uh, so I, I always say to people, uh, you have to lead yourself. You can't sit back and, and, uh, expect for someone, someone else to do your work for you. 
or to make you happy, you have to get out there and do it for yourself. You know, um, you know, I mean, yeah. Well, I'm gonna vote, George. Yeah, well, sometimes it's gonna take more than a vote because if we get this uh, Brent Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court, we're fucked. No matter how much, <laughs> no matter how hard or how often we vote blue, he's on the Supreme Court, and he, they can overturn everything. A lot of these gay marriages, they will be annulled. They can be annulled. I just heard uh, Brent Kavanaugh say he can be partial. I don't know how much water that holds because the Republicans, they lie every day, all the time. But I, do, but I am hearing that those Judiciary Committee hearings uh, are really, really toxic. They are uh, being disrupted. I hear, I'm hearing some people have been arrested, uh, protesting uh, his nomination. Uh, they would be protesting. If you think about it, Donald Trump should not be Donald Trump should not be appointing anyone. He should not be able to do any executive order whatsoever. None of that. He's under a microscope. He shouldn't have to be able to do a damn thing, you know. But the Republicans, they want him to do this, even though, even though they may end up in, uh, impeaching him at some point because of the 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 shit's going to be so hard on Donald Trump, they'd have no other way to go but to impeach him. But then again, they may not. The Democrats may have to come in and impeach him, even though Nancy Pelosi, if she's still the, uh, uh leader of the House of Representatives uh, by then, then she says she's not going to impeach him. I don't know if she has has a change of heart by now. I have no idea. But anyway, uh, this is contentious, uh, what's going on here now. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's probably another hearing tomorrow. People are, and the Republicans are probably going <laughs> to lock everybody out, the cameras and everything. They They are in control of everything. And they fear that the Democrats are going to – a blue wave is coming. They, matter of fact, they know it, a blue wave is coming. So, but they want to try to get something done before they're knocked out of power, maybe knocked out of a job. So vote blue, everybody. I mean we, gotta, we, we have to make changes. And let's say if Donald Trump somehow – uh, this guy somehow is uh, confirmed to be on the Supreme Court. There is a possibility that I'm pretty sure that the Democrats are are uh, nursing this possibility of an annulment. If Donald Trump goes to jail, if he's indicted, if he's subpoenaed, if he has to go to court, if he any of this stuff, which is possible, he may, everything he's done, the Democrats can find some sort of loophole, something in the Constitution where presidency can be annulled, his appointments can be annulled. All of this can be thrown the hell out and just be a footnote in history. I don't think it's going to be a footnote in history because... This is just 
too much. This is just too much. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It's 7.09. I won't, when we come back, folks, when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, another bad book about Donald Trump. Another bad fucking book about Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump quoted that. Uh, said something. It's another bad book, and it is. Uh, this book is a uh, is Robert uh, Bob Woodward. I'm sorry, Bob Woodward, one of the reporters uh, uh, who brought down Nixon and Watergate. So this is um, Bob. Woodward. So we'll do this when we come back. Uh, let's see what we can find here. Yeah, Bob Woodward's new book reveals a nervous breakdown of Trump's presidency. Do we did we really need a book to tell us that? We knew we knew this shit was broke down. Uh, you know, so but it's but it's another book on Donald Trump. It's another slap in his face and and slap in the face uh of the Republicans who support him, who who is protecting him. Who is kissing his ass with no regrets? Uh, it's another book. Actually, I'm doing a book too on Donald Trump. It's a it's a timeline of things, uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure Bob uh, Woodworth. I've, I've read his books before. I've had a few of them around. They're always these big, thick books, you know. He puts so much in them, and he does a lot of rambling in them too. So that's why they're so thick. But usually, the content is just awesome. Um, so when we get back, Watergate 2, some people are calling this Watergate Part 2, but you know what? This is worse than Watergate. This is not Watergate Part 2. It's worse than Watergate, folks. Um, and, and that's what a lot of the pundits have said, reporters have said, I mean, other former politicians have said this, and they're right, this is just this is worse than Watergate. Uh, <clears throat> but we're still living it. We're still in this uh water in this uh, nightmare. I was gonna say dream, but this is a nightmare. We're still in this nightmare. Watergate was over for a lot sooner than this. But we're still in this nightmare because a lot of people just don't seem to want to uh punish Trump for his crimes. Uh yeah, we're in this nightmare, but I have a feeling that, like so many other people have said, and I do agree, Trump is going down. Trump cannot last. This is just too much. This is too much. Uh, a lot of people are saying, well, Trump should resign. Trump is not going to resign. You know why? Because if Trump resigns, he might as well punch his jail card. He might as well uh, punch his jail card because that's where he's headed. To jail as soon as he he resigned. The only thing that's protecting Donald Trump, well, there's two things: the presidency and Congress, because Congress got they got something on the book saying that a president can can't be uh, indicted. So that's protecting Donald Trump. If he if he resigns, if he resigns, which I don't think he will, but if he resigns, he becomes a private citizen. And those indictments will be up his ass as a private citizen. If he should run for re-election in 2020 and he loses, he becomes a private citizen. The the indictments, <laughs> the lawsuits, uh, 
and every other thing that's coming after Donald Trump will bite him up his ass. I'm hearing right now that he, there is six ongoing investigations into Donald Trump. Why in the hell is he feeding someone uh, into the uh, Supreme Court? Why is he uh, even appointing anyone on the Supreme Court? This man is a crook. He's got all of these investigations. Mueller is up his ass. He may be subpoenaed. A lot of people say, well, he won't get, be subpoenaed because he's president. In other words, because that makes Donald Trump thinks he's above the law. He is not above the law. The law can't wait to get their hands on his ass. Believe me, they can't wait. I think the reason why we haven't heard anything from Mueller right now, Mueller doesn't want to... Uh, uh, bring out any indictments or arrests during uh, closing in on the midterms. I don't think he wants to do that because he knows that if he brings something out against Donald Trump that could uh, uh, derail his presidency, a lot of the Republicans are going to say, wow, look at the timing, look at the timing, the timing. So Mueller don't want to do that. So if anything comes awry with Donald Trump, it, it will be after the midterms. So, yeah, yeah. So don't uh, expect anything from Mueller until after the midterms. If anything comes before that, I'd be surprised. But uh, anything before the midterms on Donald Trump and jail time <laughs> will probably uh, – Come after the midterms. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. We are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time.
All right. Welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show, folks. We are going to be talking about Bob Woodsworth's new book, Reveals a Nervous Breakdown of Trump's Presidency. This is another book. <laughs> Maybe this may be the fifth or sixth maybe 10th book about the Trump administration that we know, that we know. And this is Bob Woodward. Phone call between Bob Woodward and President Trump, August 14, 2008. They got it, they got it on here. This is a phone call. <laughs> wow, they got it all. They got him on tape and everything. Uh, this new book, it probably comes with audio also. But anyway, Trump is on tape all over the place. Um, Trump is all over the place. He is totally... But this new book, I'm trying to get the title. I know what the title of my book is. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing, as I've said before, folks, I'm doing a book on... I'm also doing a... Uh, Writing a book on Donald Trump uh, probably will not be as as elaborate as the one that Woodward has done, but uh, I mean, you think of the books that are written that were written by other people, uh, famous people, people you know. I'm pretty sure there's other books written about Donald Trump by people we hardly know or didn't know at all, but people are writing. Uh, I'm writing uh, a book about him, but uh, you know. Okay, John Dowd was convinced that President Donald Trump would commit perjury if he talked to Special Counsel Ma, uh, Robert Mueller III. So on January 27, the president, then personal attorney, staged a practice session to try to make this point. Oh, yeah, Trump would lie like a dog. That's why he hasn't talked to Mueller, because he's going to lie. I mean, every time Donald Trump sits down for an interview to, for anybody, he's going to lie. I remember when Donald Trump says, I'm not going to sit down with Mueller. I'm not going to sit down with Mueller. It could be a perjury trap. Remember that? How could it be a perjury trap if you just talking your ass off? And he didn't ask you a question. You're just talking. You're just volunteering information. How can that be a perjury trap? Trump is so stupid. He's so dumb. And his lawyers... I'm pretty sure his lawyers are just fed up because he will not listen to them. It wouldn't be a perjury. perjury. If I can't say perjury, it wouldn't be a perjury trap. Uh, So I haven't heard or you haven't heard anything lately about Donald Trump saying that he wants to sit down with Robert Mueller. In this case, maybe Mueller can subpoena him to answer questions. But, you know, with the Justice Department, with their guidelines, maybe, you know, you're not, you cannot indict a sitting president. You cannot subpoena a sitting president. I don't, I don't believe in that shit. I just don't – if it's a guideline, it should be changed. It should be changed automatically. It could have been something they just put on the books to try to protect Trump. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, this um, – this hearing that they've had that they've had about Kavanaugh is just contentious uh, protesters yelling, screaming, arrest, and all this kind of thing going on. You know what? And it should be. This is a travesty. 
to try to take over the course like this, to reverse everything that has been done over the past 100, maybe 150 years. This is what they want to do, to reverse everything. And when you're on a, when someone is appointed to the Supreme Court, they are appointed for life. They will be a justice for life. They will have a job until the day they die or retire. So this is a hell of a job for Brent Kavanaugh. And a lot of people are pissed off because Trump and his goons will not let uh, people see or read the hundred-something pages on Kavanaugh when he was a lawyer uh, in the Bush administration. So the, the Republicans are hiding everything, hiding it all. They are thuggish. <laughs> I really don't want to go through this again, but we know what they are. But they are just, re- I'm going to use another word, ridiculous. They are totally ridiculous. Grown-ass men and women just breaking the law at every turn, kissing Trump's ass because they want to and they like it. Screwing the American people. The hell with the American people. If they don't get voted back in, the hell with it. They got Trump's tax cut so that they're rich, so they don't give a damn. It, it's just hard. It's just hard. And, and as I've always said, it's going to take the American people to bring America back from the scum of the Republicans, the slime of the Republican Party and Donald Trump, the slime the way these gross-ass, criminal-ass Republicans let this guy get away with murder. Literally, I think it's murder. Lying to the American people 4,000 times. This is just crazy. Yeah, it's another book. Uh, He's got another book, and uh, I think there's some excerpts that uh, from the book here, let me see. In the White House residency, Dodd peppered Trump with questions about Russia, the Russian investigation providing, provoking stumbles and contradictions and lies until the president eventually lost his cool. Quoting Trump, this is a goddamn hoax. Trump erupted at the start of a 30-minute rant that finished with him saying, I don't really want to testify. <laughs> you know, a lot of this stuff that comes out about Trump is going, Mueller is listening to it. Mueller knows about it. A lot of times, most of the times when Trump is, in, when Trump is obstructing justice right out in the view, and he's done it a 10 or 20 times, Mueller is listening to this. Mueller is listening to Trump. And everything that he says is on tape, is on video, so there's no saying that he didn't say it. But even if it's on video or tape or something or, or it's been recorded, Trump will still deny he said it, and he wants us to believe that he denied he said it, even though it's on video and tape. That's the way Trump is in some cases. When he backs up off a lie, he wants you to believe, believe 
that he's backing up off a line that he never said what he said when he said what he said, if that makes sense. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, folks. We had a great time uh, during the show, and uh, basically it was just me. <laughs> uh, hopefully that won't uh, happen uh, in the coming weeks. We, we'll have some guests on the show. And, uh, uh, you know, when your producer forgets to book people, and I'm the producer of the show. So anyway, hope you had a great time. I had a good time. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Make sure you leave comments. Make sure you vote blue because it is very important that you do that. We have to take this country back. Uh, I'm not a Democrat. I am not a Republican. I am an independent. So a lot of people, oh, George, you're a liberal. George, you're a Democrat. You know, I don't, when people call me that, I don't really respond. I don't say anything. Uh, However, never call me a Republican. Never, ever. (laughs) Wow. Because right now, the Republican name is like mud. It's like mud. To those people with some intelligence, to those people with some uh, smarts about themselves, education, we know that the Republican – the Republican Party is mud. The name is mud. So anyway, get out there and vote. Vote, vote, vote. If you know someone who's not registered, get them registered. We want to make a statement at the polls. We don't want to just win. We want to blow them away in the midterms. We want to blow them away. And stay up. Stay confident. Don't get depressed. Take a walk. Exercise. You know, Drink some water. Stay positive, and we're going to do this. We're going to do this. All right, everybody, thanks for, for listening, uh, and enjoy the show. Okay, I swallowed something. <laughs> enjoy the show, whether you're listening at daytime, nighttime, morning, weekend, whatever. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody, make sure you tune in to the George Wilder Jr. Show tomorrow, and make sure you enjoy, enjoy all the podcasts that are available for you right here at Blog Talk Radio. Bye-bye, everybody.